This is another week of Into the Parabnormal where we are taking the show wherever it heads nightly. And tonight that happens to be um, alien abductions. In fact, a dark turn down that path tonight. You know, there have been many of these cases of abductions, of course, by extraterrestrials throughout the decades. And perhaps none of them more famous than, of course, Travis Walton in Arizona which, of course, inspired you know, Fire in the Sky, and, of course, the Betty and Barney Hill case, uh, two famous events in ufology. Not only, uh, well, do they believe that they've been taken from their location to a craft, but the accounts of experiencers sometimes actually include recollections of some sort of medical examination. More rarely, though, Still in a fair share, though, I would argue, are details of a procedure in which the abductee is made to carry a baby or, say, their seed taken from them in which to create one. See, these alien-human hybridization programs have been reported on by actually quite a few researchers where extraterrestrial beings help create a hybrid race through genetic manipulation. Abductees such as Whitley Strieber have said that their seed was taken from them. In fact, two years ago, in front of a live audience on this program in McMinnville, Oregon, at McMinniman's UFO Fast, Whitley told us intimately what happened to him and that he desperately wants to know if what was taken from him led to any offspring, and if so, he wants to meet them. It was a very powerful moment uh, that was had on that pro on the program that evening, or in that case, that morning. Uh, Dr. David Jacobs, of course, he has shared with us his research on human-alien hybrids. That's a show that uh, still freaks people out today. Uh, I get those comments from time to time. Hubrids, as they've been called, appear human but are superior. And Dr. Jacobs alleges that they have infiltrated society. Well, if we didn't learn anything from last week when many of the alien movies that we discussed had some very sinister plots, we're going to hear tonight just how evil this can get. Our guest, 
says, quote, for as early as I can remember, I've been abducted by non-human alien entities possibly hundreds of times. I have seen many UAPs or UFOs throughout my lifetime and suffered emotional and physical ailments due to the things they did to me. Her name is Karen Wilkinson, a wife, mother, grandmother. She worked in the software industry for many years as the author of Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, as a regular writer and contributor to our friend L.A. Marzulli's Politics, Prophecy, and the Supernatural. Karen, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I'm so happy to be here with you tonight. Thank you. Absolutely. So when did it begin for you? Uh, How has this evolved throughout your lifetime? And by it or this, I mean the alien abductions that you allege have happened to you. Yes. They started from as early as I can remember. My earliest memories are of being taken by them, by these entities, Um, from being terrified of family members who looked similar to the Nordic type alien entities that I was encountering when I was very, very small. Um, you know, so from as young as I can remember before, before going to school, before kindergarten age, you know, um, they were just always coming for me in the, at night. Uh, why, uh, why do you believe just at night? Uh, well, it's just you know, generally at night they would come in because that was an easiest that was the easiest time to be able to abduct me. I mean, at that point, everyone is sleeping and no one is going to notice what's happening. No one will notice that I'm gone because I have seen the ability that they have to make the people around me go into a sleep that I can't wake those people up from. To even call for help or get them Almost to wake a state up of uh, paralysis, would you say? Right, like a sleep paralysis, um, but even more asleep than when I have sleep paralysis, and I've gotten sleep paralysis when they've they've come to take me. I'm feeling fully awake and aware, but I can't move. So the sleep part really doesn't factor into it, I guess, for me in that respect. But. Um, yeah, the but the other people around me would just be completely out, um, not even able to rouse like my husband or whoever else might be around me at the time. Okay, so this has evolved throughout your lifetime from a child now to an adult. Have the encounters been primarily the same, or has there been some evolution there? Oh, there's definitely been evolution. Absolutely, it was. It was definitely a process and of different things and different things they wanted at different times in my life. I mean, you know, when I was little, it just seemed to be um, medical tests, which I didn't know what they were doing. You know, they draw blood or take different samples, examining different parts of my body um, using machines I didn't understand, doing things I didn't understand. And, of course, they weren't explaining those things to me. And there were times I would just be put in a room with other little children, and we would just be playing with strange blocks or coloring books and things like that, some toys that were perfectly normal and some that seemed very strange that I didn't have in school or anything like that. So, And then as I got older, you know, things w- would have changed obviously 
um, which leads to the title of my book, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, because as I got older, I became part of a breeding program that they were utilizing me for. Uh, So almost as if they had been priming you since a young age up to this point. Absolutely. I felt as if I was groomed from a very young age to to be a participant in what was going on, to understand what was going on, and to go along with what was happening. You know, knowing that if I didn't go along with it, bad things would happen to me and my loved ones. And so not really feeling like I had a choice, but to be quiet about it, not talk about it to anyone and go along with what was what was happening. And I, I didn't feel like I had any choice or any way out, really. Okay, so you eventually broke the dam, and you did start talking about it. Why? <laughs> because I figured out how to get out of it, and and a couple of other things, too. Um, the, the catalyst for getting out of it was me returning to my Christian faith and finding out and realizing that there is a hierarchy and that they have a creator just like we do and that that creator that hierarchy has has the ability has the control and that i can call on that my creator to save me to stop these things and i was able to then you know with my faith and through my faith be able to no longer allow them into my life and break those whatever agreements have been made and bonds and covenants and things like that. So that was a, that was a huge part of it, and that was able to stop the abductions and the things from happening. Being but, able to, I'm sorry. Oh, but I was going to say, but in between was uh, some very uh, traumatic stuff. Absolutely, and being able to deal with that trauma came from having going through some PTSD therapy for something else. And that therapy actually bridged over into me being able to start to deal with a lifetime of trauma from this. And then being able to really kind of start working through it, getting it out and dealing with it. Um, I didn't expect to be talking about it or writing about it, certainly. Um, but I, once I started to be able to really deal with it and work through it, I reached out to L.A. Marzulli to talk about it. And uh, we ended up recording an interview, and that ended up being a part of his fourth movie in the UFO Disclosure series on abductions. And I have to say I was terrified to do it, but I felt really led to do it. I really felt like it might help some people because I was sharing how I was able to stop it as well. And um, as terrifying as it was, it really did seem to help some people. And a lot of people came up to me and were grateful for me sharing that, sharing my testimony, sharing my story, the accounts of what happened to me. And that's what led me to continue and write the rest of what happened to me, to write the, the book about everything that had happened in my experiences. So the initial reaction, I guess, was positive because you found that others had experienced uh, much the same as you had? Well, the reaction from other experiencers was very positive, yes. Now, obviously, the world treats 
anyone who says they've been abducted by alien entities as a lot of people treat uh, me and others as crazy and say we're, you know, (laughs) that we're making it up or that it's crazy or that it, you know, it can't be true, but it is true. Um, You know, it was very easy to write this book because I just wrote the truth. I wrote what happened. So it was, it was, you know, (laughs) there are a lot of, a lot of people who look for any reason to pick apart the things that have happened to me and to others and in the same situation as I am. But the trauma that we experienced and the abductions over a lifetime that myself and others have experienced are very real and visceral, and we have the scars to prove it. Yeah, you should actually be commended for coming forth and and, and talking about this because it's a very shocking and disturbing. Would you say then that uh, aliens are not well-meaning and that they they have bad intentions? Well, the ones that I have encountered were not well-meaning. And what I'm referring to you know if if you look back to what who and what they are and that that gets into a much deeper conversation but the entities that i encountered were not well-meaning their intentions were not good no you know kidnapping little children uh raping women taking fetuses taking people against their will well we gotta stop there we'll continue our conversation My guest tonight is Karen Wilkinson, author of Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, and we'll have more. Into the Paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott breeding grounds tonight on these airwaves. It's the show that's somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Fits right into Into the Parabnormal, our conversation tonight with Karen Wilkinson, an abductee and author of Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, which you can get at lamarzuli.net. We've got that linked up at parabnormalradio.com along with the link to her website as well. So, uh, Karen, you were saying before the break... uh, some of the things that uh, the aliens have been known to do, kidnap, rape, uh, take fetuses from the womb. Yes, yes. And you're asking me, you know, were they benevolent or malevolent? And, you know, these aren't the actions of of a benevolent being. You know, if um, you think about the cattle mutilations too, you know, the innocent animals, things like that. You know, these aren't, if they are, these wonderful benevolent beings who are here to help us, then you'd think they could find a better way to communicate. And the, these entities are definitely much smarter than we are. They are uh, very advanced. You know, they're entities that have been around much longer than we are. And they are, you know, they have abilities that far outreach ours and they are understanding that is far beyond ours of physics and things like that when you talk like dr david jacobs calls it uh future physics um so you know what we're dealing with is something just is so advanced that you think there would be a a way for them to communicate if they were benevolent entities but in my opinion they definitely are not so no communications that you've had in any of your experiences with these 
we've had communications and things have happened, but the problem is, is that everything starts with an unwanted abduction and that continues, you know, these aren't, these aren't friendly scenarios. And if, if I were to step out of line and, or anyone else that I saw while I was being abducted, other people that were there, there were repercussions for that. You know, you were put into a state of sleep or put into a state of being um, restrained in different manners. So it wasn't something that, you know, any of the people I saw there were doing willingly. And I certainly wasn't going into this willingly. Yeah, not a willing participant in this. So you obviously have some regrets, not maybe at yourself, but about what went down. Right. I mean, I, I, it's hard to have regrets when it was completely out of my control. It's unfortunate that it happened, but, you know, I, I will use it for good. I'll use it for whatever way that I can to help others if I can. And so it's difficult to talk about. It's certainly difficult and scary to step out and speak about what happened, but it's worth it if it's going to help someone else figure out how to deal with it and how to get out of it. Absolutely. So you found that there are uh, others who have reported much like you have reported. Uh, What happened to you? Absolutely. You know, the funny thing is after the book came out, I've had emails and phone calls and met people in person who said, I could have written the exact same thing. You know, I've had the exact same things happen to me. It was almost, you know, well, except for the details that make make up the individual interactions, the rest of it is basically the same thing. So it sounds like it might be a, an organized effort or there might be some sort of... Uh agenda here and that's where we'll head with karen wilkinson tonight i'm jeremy scott into the parabnormal we've got news with george henry about the sun coming up don't go anywhere This is Paranormal News. A monster solar flare that erupted from the sun last week is one of the largest ever recorded, according to the Space Weather Prediction Center. The X-Class flare, which is the strongest of classifications, may have also been accompanied by a plasma eruption that was directed at Earth. It knocked out radio frequencies across the country and interfered with flight communications. The flare is the biggest since 2017 and the most intense of the current solar cycle 25, which is ahead of schedule and could reach solar maximum as soon as next month. Just days before, the results of a study by Lancaster University were released that warns flares can cause glitches on railways by fouling up electrical circuits that control the signals, which could result in a malfunction and potentially a crash. George Henry, Paranormal News.
very controversial aspect of UFO contact known as the missing fetus syndrome, in which a pregnancy disappears, often in association with a UFO encounter. There would be these times where I would become pregnant and then have miscarriages, even when I wasn't pregnant. They take them on board the larger craft, do what they have to do, and bring them back. When I was 17, I lost my virginity to a female extraterrestrial. She woke up one night, stark naked, and surrounded by alien beings who led her into a room inside a spaceship. She actually claims that she was impregnated by aliens to create alien-human hybrids. Like astral travel through space, you never know where you'll land. We can guarantee it will be into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, talking with Karen Wilkinson tonight, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, the name of her book. So, uh, Karen, would you mind sharing with us what happened uh, in some of your cases of uh, abduction? Uh, Were you taken somewhere? Obviously, there was some sort of uh, procedure that happened or whatnot. Yes, um, I was taken to different places. Uh, Commonly, I was taken to um, one underground facility. I knew it was underground because we were getting these elevators that went down for a long time. And then in what I would call, especially when I was little, I called them the sideways elevators. But later realized they must have been like high-speed trains because at that time I'd never been in anything that moved that quickly and quietly you know cars weren't like that when i was little but um and in those facilities uh they would do all kinds of different um tests and things on me but one of the most uh challenging things to talk about is are the missing pregnancies and the the encounters that I had with um, an entity who was with me throughout my lifetime of abductions. I called him my handler. Um, He didn't have a name. We had like an imprint. Um, So they didn't use names the way we do, but we, so it's impossible for me to describe. (laughs) Um, But we had an an imprint, like a knowing who he was. And he uh, was responsible for um, basically grooming me into the program. And when um, they utilized me for uh, things of a sexual nature that were against my will, um, but that I knew if I went along with them, they would be over quickly and it would be easier for me and utilized me to warn the other people there working because they were humans. They're working among them. And I don't think these humans knew what they were getting into, but, uh, they told them that this would happen to their families, their wives, their loved ones. And, um, so I don't believe the pregnancies resulted from that. I believe that um, that was just for, they were utilizing me and others in the same way. I've talked to other women who were abused in a similar fashion. Um, 
but um, then they would implant. Uh, they would they would extract eggs from me, um, and then those would be fertilized somewhere, and I wasn't privy to where or how that was done. And then those would be implanted back into me without my knowledge <clears throat> or consent. And um, uh, so, so I maybe would, altered uh, along the way, or what? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, the first time that I got pregnant, I was married, so it wasn't an unexpected, but we weren't trying to get pregnant. So I didn't, it was unexpected pregnancy, but it wasn't that I couldn't get pregnant. Um, went to the doctor, everything was confirmed. It was confirmed that there was a baby. Um, all the things that they do in the doctor's office and around the third month, into the third month, I woke up in the middle of the night not feeling right, but I didn't pass the baby. I didn't have a miscarriage at home or anything. Uh, nothing came out of me. I went to the hospital because I was having terrible pain and a little bit of spotting, and they couldn't find a heartbeat, and they did an ultrasound and didn't see anything in my uterus. They did a DNC, and there was no fetal tissue at all in my uterus. And they looked at me and said, you know, are you sure you were pregnant? You know, at that point, then they could do a blood test and see that I still had the hormones in my blood and uh, could contact my doctor and all of that. And and that is a scenario that repeated itself over the course of my lifetime. Um, and it was devastating because I didn't get to mourn the loss of those babies. You know, I, as a mother, it just, it's one of the most heartbreaking things to go through, you know, not knowing what happened, not knowing where my baby went, not knowing if it was alive or dead, you know. And I didn't know at that point in time that they were taking them for sure. I had no idea for sure what was happening yet. So what do you suppose was done in between? Do you believe that uh, that what was taken from you was used to make a, a hybrid being? Yes. Yes, and I did see um, that I was taken back um, on board or to an underground location where I had been taken before, but I was taken to a new area of it that I hadn't been before one one night. And um, I'm walking down this long hallway with a, one of the taller grays, and uh, the hallway is lined with what looked like... Uh, aquariums either side and in those and it was a very darkly dark hallway kind of backlit almost red backlight and you could see in each of those aquariums some sort of a thing and a fetus i couldn't identify what they all were and they were all at different stages of development um and um and there were dozens and dozens of them um, taller than me, so I couldn't even see the ones at the top. They took me to the end of the hall. There were doorways on either end of that portion of the hallway, which continued on. And I went into, was led into a room. It was about the size of a large closet. There was actually another woman in that room, a human. And this a gray entity brought me a little, um, very small baby it looked somewhat human, but uh, it proportions were not right. The head was very large. The eyes were very large. Um, 
and told me to hold it, told me it was a good baby. And I, I tried to, I held the baby, I held it up to me, but it wouldn't cuddle into me, you know, like a, like a human baby, like my babies have since then that I've had. It just, it didn't respond to me. Um, the coloring was all wrong. It was almost like a dark red, purple color. And I couldn't get the baby to respond to me. And I kept asking him, what's wrong with this baby? What's wrong with it? You know, is this my baby? And then I wanted to keep it because I realized it had to be mine, you know, since they handed it to me. I, and I wanted to keep that baby so bad. And I, and I told them, I'm, I'm keeping this baby. I told them, I'm taking this baby home because I thought maybe I could fix it. And uh, they said no. And, uh, of course, I resisted that. And fought that, fought them on that, and they um, were easily able to overpower me and then put me back into a sleep state. And that was the end of that encounter. And it was heartbreaking. It was devastated. I mean, I just remember waking up crying, just overwhelmed with grief because, you know, I, I, I didn't have that child with me anymore. Um. And uh, that was the only time I remember that I have a really clear memory of holding one of the babies. Do you suspect, though, there are more? There, yes. I had later in life, much later in life, I really wanted, I really wanted to see them. I really wanted to know, you know, how I... um. I heard you mention, I, I didn't hear the interview, but I did hear you mention something about what Lee Strieber wanting to, if he had an offspring, wanting to meet it or see it. I felt the same way. Um, I thought, if I've, if I've got these these partially my children out there, I want to see them. I want to meet them. I want to hold them. I want to be in their life. I want, you know, I love my, my own children that I have now more than anything. and. Just as a mom, I wanted them in my life, and I prayed and prayed that God would let me see them, you know, just let me take care of them. And um, one night, I woke up, I startled awake, and there were three boys, young men, standing beside my bed, um, and I immediately called out one of my kids' names saying, hey, what's wrong? Because I thought it was one of my current um, adult children. And then I looked at them closer because, you know, I was startled awake, so that was just my first response. And I, and, and I realized it wasn't that child. Um, and there were three of them, but they looked, they could, like, they could be mine, but they didn't look human enough to be human. Um, they're heads were really big their bodies were really stocky their eyes were really big and just dark dark but but they still had features that i knew looked like my kids like me um there were three of them they were shorter than my children too so that was the second thing that i noticed right away was that it couldn't be them because they were too short are there other features that set them apart the you know, the features that I noticed were just, just like the features in their face, like the bone structure and the shape of their eyes. Even though their eyes were too big, I could still see that bone structure. I could still see that eye shape. I could still see the face shape that looked like they could be my kids. Do you know what I mean? But the rest of it, 
there wasn't I couldn't see clearly enough to catch anything else other than that. But this eventually stopped, right? Yeah, they were there and I was very happy that they were there, but they were not acting happy to be there to see me. And that surprised me right away because I was like, why aren't you happy to see me? You know, why are you here? And they spoke to me, but telepathically, not with a voice. Right. So the first thing I did was the first thing I did was reach over and and um, grab my husband said, and yelled his name and said, hey, look, look. And he wouldn't move. He was out cold. He was in one of those sleep states where I could not rouse him at all. And I tried very hard. So then I, I looked at the kids and I'm like, well, what do you want? And they, they told me they wanted me to come with them. And I said, no, I can't go with you. I'm not going with you. Cause I was never going back, you know, back into that never again. And, and they got their, the anger, just the hate that I felt coming off of them was palpable. The way that they looked at me and just the, they were very angry and they were exuding and, and, letting me know that they were angry, you know, with the thoughts and, and they tried to levitate me off the bed, which surprised me. I was shocked when that started happening. And I was like, Oh no, in Jesus name. No. And as soon as I said that, cause it was just, you know, automatic, it came out of my mouth. As soon as I said that I, I just dropped back to the bed because I was starting to levitate off the bed and they were gone. And my husband sat straight up in bed and he's like, what? As if he had just heard me, even though I was trying to get his attention, you know, a few minutes earlier. So and what, the whole time thing, slowed down? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so weird. I can't, I couldn't say how long it took and what, you know, it just all is, it, it, time just, he was just, he wasn't even aware that anything happened because he was in such a deep, uh, like, sleep or sleep paralysis state that he didn't even hear or see anything but he just as soon as they were gone then he sits straight up because he's a light sleeper so he's going to hear things and and um and i immediately told him what happened i was i was just so shaken by it it was it was but i knew that they were mine i really did but then you know i think that gave me and I know that that gave me the... Hold that thought. We got to come back. Karen Wilkinson, my guest tonight. I'm Jeremy Scott, and we will be right back. Into the paranormal. paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Karen Wilkinson, my guest tonight, an abductee and author. Uh, so, Karen, you were saying, you know, look, if these were my offspring, uh, damn it, I want to know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I really felt like they were. I just, I just knew the way a mom knows. I had this, you know, just this knowing, this feeling. But from them there was no love there they had no love for me they had no desire to bond with me or be with me and they were clearly not human and there was just something missing something seriously missing there that um that was in my human children that they didn't have 
do you view them as a superior in, in any way? Um, I have no idea, um, except that, you know, I didn't feel any love or kindness coming from them at all. So, you know, I mean, that I find that that's sad, um, but I don't view them as inferior or superior in any way. They're just not human. So do you have uh, ideas on why this is happening? Uh, is there some sort of... Uh organized effort uh in in which to accomplish some goal and maybe they do it bit by bit or uh case by case individual by individual abductee by abductee right um you know i do believe this is an organized an organized system i believe that they utilize family bloodlines because they find genetics that work um certain genetic material that's easy to utilize to um create hybrid entities with um i if if that's what you're asking me hopefully i'm, I'm answering that question yeah, you're asking okay. absolutely um yeah so I, I i think that's part of it i think um i think i think it is very well organized i think that there are there's a certain amount of of random selection going on where they're kind of randomly looking at people you hear people say i was taken once but then i've never had any other instances that I remember or feel that have happened and, you know, that where they're just kind of randomly sampling for, for genetics that would work. But I do think they stick within family lines when they find genetics that work. And I think some of it has to do also with, with, um, with, with uh, generational agreements that people have made with certain entities as well. And that gets into a little bit, bit more woo. You're getting really definitely into the paranormal with that, you know, when you start talking about that. But, but it's definitely what we're working with because we're not, you know, battling against flesh and blood. We're, these are principalities and, and entities that are just far superior to, to us. And, and, um, if we, yeah. But yeah, I think um, to answer your question, I think it's very well organized and I think they're doing it because, you know, they're they're breeding us and to go back to, um, you know, like Dr. David Jacobs talks about the uh, breeding programs and what he calls hubrids and hybrids. And then I know you've spoken with Ryan Peterson in the past, too, who talked about sure. the Nephilim. Well, I think these are modern day Nephilim. I think this is the seed war of Genesis 3, Genesis 6, continuing on into today. Some um, of these beings meaning that, that you've encountered? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that these, these beings are beings, they are, they are created by our creator. They're superior to us. They were here before us. And they are, there are some that have fallen away. Wow. Because this really plays into what we're going to be talking about tomorrow night. Uh, and oh. just, in fact, how far does man, in fact, go uh, back? Uh, Karen, as we end this hour, uh, tell folks where they can find uh, more information about you and uh, buy the book as we go to break. Absolutely. The book is available exclusively right now at net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net, net. Um, you can find me on my website, which is my name, Karen Wilkinson, author.com. 
And you can find me on Facebook under my name, Karen Wilkinson, K-A-R-I-N, Wilkinson, W-I-L-K-I-N-S-O-N, or on Instagram, Karen Wilkinson Author. And you can find all those links on my website, and I'll provide those to you as well. Fantastic. And we'll have more after our top of the hour break. I'm Jeremy Scott. Breeding Grounds tonight on Into the Paranormal. Show your support of Into the Paranormal by buying from the Paranormal store at paranormalradio.com. paranormal and abnormal you're headed into the paranormal do aliens have an evil uh do have they have evil intentions that is the question tonight i'm jeremy scott speaking with karen wilkinson author of stolen seed evil harvest which you can find at lamarzuli.net or in the episode page is a link to it at paranormalradio.com. So I'm interested in the who and the what because that came up earlier in our conversation. What have you found that these entities mainly are? That's a great question. Uh, from my experience, I have had interactions with two different kinds of entities. I have had interactions with beautiful angelic entities, um, and I've had interactions with what I would call evil or fallen angelic entities. Um, And the ones that were taking me, abducting me against my will, those were the ones that I classify as evil, and I classify them as fallen. It's kind of a misnomer, but it's the easiest place to put them categorically. They are the uh, fallen angelic beings, the biblical and ancient texts and ancient scrolls and and other ancient documents known worldwide. Do you have a preference on the beings that you encounter? <laughs> Do I? Yes, very much so. Very much so. You know, after my, I had a near-death experience and afterwards when I was in the recovery room was having a very hard time coming out of recovery. My body just did not want to come back uh, into this world. And uh, I asked God for help and um, two beautiful young men showed up at the foot of my bed and they were in, uh, they looked like orderlies. They were just wearing scrubs and I had doctors and nurses all around me trying to get me through the process in the recovery room. And they had to keep putting me under because every time I woke up, I was screaming in pain and, and my blood pressure and things were going way too high. Well, uh, then all of a sudden, these two young men showed up and they calmed me down, um, helped me through it. They just brought me peace and love and it was wonderful. And when we got back to the room, I tried to introduce them to everyone and they were gone and no one knew where they went. No one else, uh, none of my other doctors or nurses had even seen them. 
So, you know, for me, that was an amazing uh, experience with two, what I would call benevolent, angelic beings. But then the evil uh, stuff overshadows it all. Uh, well, yeah, the, you know, the good, the good sometimes overshadows the evil, in my opinion. I mean, it, God has blessed me in so many ways. So, you know, I have to, I've been able to survive it somehow and get through it somehow. And I wouldn't be able to do that without God and without my faith. That's the only way I'm still here today because it is, it is so dark and so difficult and it, it drains you and it takes away your will to live at times. And if it wasn't for God, I don't think I'd still be here. So what would you say then to someone who uh, maybe feels that uh, they have a story similar to yours? Right. I would say uh, to that person, you're not alone. You're not alone. That's why I wrote this book. That's why I talk to people about this. That's why I'm speaking up and speaking out so people can hear stories that sound like theirs and know that they're not alone and it's okay and you can get through it and there are ways out of it. Um, I have a place on my website where people can reach out to me and just send me messages and I get back to everyone who reaches out to me. It takes a while sometimes, depending on how many messages I get, but I do get back to everyone because it's important. Um, and, um, but I just would say to anyone, you're not alone. There are a lot of us out here, a lot of us who have gone through this and we are surviving it. And, you know, that is all the glory that goes God because, it is a hard thing to get through. In your experiences, when you uh, have this relationship with with an entity who you refer to as your handler, what do you believe their true intentions were? Definitely their their underlying intention was to deceive me or groom me into being a part of their program. I mean, they wanted me and I bought into the what the propaganda, if you will, they were trying to tell me for a while that, you know, this is for the greater good. This is, this is to help, you know, we're just here to help. But it was like being in an abusive relationship where they'll say the right things, but they're not doing the right things. You know, you can say you're being good and helpful, but your actions do not reflect that. And, um, so, you know, you kind of get this, I had this Stockholm syndrome kind of relationship going on and that apparently is not uncommon for others either in this, in this situation. Um, I've since talked to many other abductees who have been in that same situation. I was very surprised, honestly, but it, it did help me through it to know that so many other men and women had had these kinds of feelings and relationships because, then I don't have to feel so gullible, maybe is the right word, and taken advantage of knowing that I'm not alone in that. So are the aliens working with anyone, any other entities in which to uh, accomplish this? Right. I've seen different types of entities together. I believe they are all, um, you know, there are different types of them, but they are all basically um, working, you know, they, they, I never saw a, an organization chart or, and it never seemed to me that there were species that were warring against each other. None of, nothing like that was ever shared with me. I saw different species working together. Um, you know, the typical grays, which I believe are more like an avatar, um, 
type of entity. Then there were the taller grays that were definitely a, a specific type of entity um, species. There were the reptilian type entities, which was what my handler actually was. Um, I saw a lot of the Nordic type entities. And from afar, not close up, I saw the uh, insect, insectolin type. It kind of looked like a praying mantis type. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, they're very, very scary and strangest looking, unusual. I, it's something out of a, uh, uh, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but um, when, you know, and there seemed to be a hierarchy amongst them where that insectolin one, they were always kind of, whenever I would see one of those, it would always be kind of sitting off on the other side of a room, kind of watching everybody and everything, almost overseeing. So I always figured they were probably in charge, but they never told me that, you know, and, and no pertinent information was ever shared with me about about that with by them. So we've established that this is an organized effort in which to harvest humans and also to corrupt the bloodlines uh, through a variety of influences. Absolutely. Yes, I believe so. And there were humans working there too. And, and like I said, I don't know what the situations that led to that were, but there were humans there as well. And so you could distinguish between them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There, there were very human people there working. And I knew that because those humans were threatened against speaking about what was going on. Um, and I don't, like I said, I don't think they probably knew what they were getting into when they did work there. But I do think these things go back to the things like the Eisenhower Treaty or the, um, you know, back into the early 19, mid 1900s, where um, agreements were made with these entities by people like the Majestic 12 and groups like that, where we're starting to see some of these documents come out. Um, heavily redacted, but at least we're seeing some information about this, um, and uh, which is not surprising based on some of the information that's now starting to come out as well. So you've been involved in, in some of this then? I haven't. I have seen humans working with them, but that is the extent of my involvement. Humans and, and extraterrestrials working together. Yes. Interesting. Uh, and so we, we could say to uh, achieve what goal? Is it just to be superior or do they plan to like, you know, take over uh, like an invasion type scenario? Well, again, that's not something that was shared with me, but clearly there is uh, there is an, an objective to deceive. You know, they are trying to say things um, that are deceptive to people like me when they were taking me, you know, it was a very deceptive process. And, and, you know, while they were threatening me with bodily harm and threatening my family with harm, if I were to talk to anyone about it, about what was going on with me, you know, in order to keep me quiet and to keep me participating, you know, that the deception and the evil in there was just unbelievable. Um, but my my thoughts on it are that they are they are in this to deceive people and to deceive people about who they are and why they're here. And so what you've described through some of the uh, experiences tonight has been known to happen to both men and women 
So at, at some point, they mu- must be mixing it, uh, I guess, behind closed doors. Absolutely. They're taking sperm from men. They're taking ovum from women. I know men who are have spoken with who are friends of mine who have been violated in that way and, and women and utilizing that genetic material to work on creating um, hybrid entities that, as Dr. David Jacobs says, could be walking among us and we wouldn't even know it. Right. Because they're uh, indistinguishable in most yes, ways. absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you get the right combination of DNA from the right people and the right entities, they can make them to the point that they're almost indistinguishable. Are there other connections that you make within your research to the whole abduction phenomenon? I'm sorry, I don't know what you mean by the other connections. Uh, I mean, uh, through your research, you've obviously made some connections mm-hmm. yes. uh, between a few yes. things. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm alluding oh, to. Oh, yes, yes. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, I've, you know, the connections into uh, where these entities come from and what I believe that they are or and connections into uh, to other people and the experiences that they've had. So I'm not sure which direction you prefer that I go with that. Oh, for instance, do you believe panspermia ties into this at all? Oh, Absolutely. Well, panspermia, I believe, is a part of the deception that they're trying to spread. I do not believe that these are ancestral cedars um, because, A, I believe that we have a creator and they have a creator and that it's the same one because who created them, right? You know, they did. They had to come from somewhere as well. So this gets into a theological discussion as well. And, and, and for me, my belief system is that, you know, God is our creator, and he is also their creator. And we know that some of his creation that is superior to us is fallen, and that their goal is to, is to deceive, and is to deceive, excuse me, to deceive humans to the point that they will not believe in our creator anymore. And it seems to me like they are achieving. Seems like it's working to me. Excuse me. We'll continue our conversation. My guest tonight, Karen Wilkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the paranormal. You know, it's easy to say this is uh, science fiction. This is just one of the movies that Jeremy was talking about last week when we were talking about all of the uh, seemingly nefarious alien agenda movies that have been made throughout the years. I was just uh, talking about the influence that some of those uh, movies have had as they prime us for what appears to be imminent disclosure. And as we talk with our guest tonight... Uh, we should be reminded that it was just last year that the Pentagon released 1,500 pages of documents in which it discusses unaccounted-for pregnancies. So we heard a clip earlier in the program from a lady who has been repeatedly uh, impregnated and yet hasn't had any partners the government says these people are not crazy. Here's the documents to support it. That has to go a long way, Karen. 
Oh, it absolutely does. In fact, I have an entire chapter in my book dedicated to that report, which is uh, the anomalous acute and subacute field effects on human biological tissues. And that was the report that came out in 2022. And of that report, there is a huge list of effects and conditions. And I was going to highlight in the book which things I had been affected by until I realized it was easier just to say which ones I hadn't <laughs> because there were only right. a handful. There were 15, so tell the audience you know. so what, what those are. Uh, we're talking about oh. uh, a, a variety of symptoms. You, there are. It's There's too many to even say, but it's everything from burn injuries to neurological and cognitive nervous system effects to neuromuscular effects, uh, sensory and peripheral nervous system effects, um, it goes on to list things like abductions, um, electromagnetic effects on vehicles, which I've had that happen, where my vehicle just completely shut down. It was, I, I have written about that. Um, paralysis, we've talked about sleep paralysis, um, time loss, uh, eye injuries. I have some strange anomalous eye injuries um, and burn marks on me. Uh, so it just, and the list just goes on and on. And, and on that list are, um, I'm going to turn to the page it's on, are um, the um, lost pregnancies, the missing, the uh, missing fetus syndrome. And I was, when this report came out, I felt finally, you know, finally we're going to get somewhere. They're finally admitting that these, you know, that we're, there's so many women that have, I cannot tell you how many women I've talked to who just were heartbroken over this. You know, when the minute you get pregnant, you bond with that baby and it's terrible. Um, So finally, finally, there's some admission that this is happening. And they know it's happening. And we're not crazy. It's out there in black and white for everyone to read. Absolutely. And we're talking about the official government uh, report uh, that basically alluded to injuries that humans have suffered from exposure to UAPs. These are medical cases where humans have been injured after encountering a UFO, in some cases, aliens, and maybe it's, uh, we could also throw in there, uh, those who fight back may suffer some of these injuries, others may not, who are uh, more willing or, I guess, less resistant peasants in this. I'm Jeremy Scott. Into the Paranormal will continue after this. Paranormal news. What's happened to Voyager 1 
Instead of the usual binary code, the spacecraft is sending back repeating signals of ones and zeros from interstellar space, as if it were stuck or hijacked. NASA says the flight data system is not communicating properly with the telemetry modulation unit. Engineers are working on the problem, but there's no word how long it could take to fix. Voyager 1 launched in 1977 and has traveled further than any human-made object. It is the second longest operating spacecraft in history behind Voyager 2 by only a few weeks. Its mission has helped us learn about the space between the stars outside of our own solar system. George Henry, Paranormal News. sitting on this what looked like an autopsy table a man's semen is his version of a woman's egg and i had that taken from my body involuntarily and i am haunted to this day by wondering what happened to it i was probably conscious for five seconds before they put me out they are transported uh, up on this energy to the ufo I was sitting on this, what looked like an autopsy table. Got something to say? Call into the paranormal at 503-506-0396 in the United States and Canada. Skype callers, reach us at ITP51. Yeah, the government, through documents released last year from the Pentagon, say that there have been reports that they have verified of unaccounted for pregnancies involved in UFO sightings. So when we talk about an event just like that, which we've been discussing all night, it adds even more weight to the equation. We've been doing so with Karen Wilkinson, an abductee and author of Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest, which is available at lamarzuli.net, her website, Karen Wilkinson author.com and of course all of that is available at parabnormalradio.com so uh karen what do you make of all of the recent revelations that have come through the congressional hearings and through the whistleblowers that's a great question and i think um that is best answered by repeating something that Brett Baer said um, on April 6th of 2022 when that actual report came out that we were referencing. He said, uh, I feel like we should have the X-Files music here, but they say the truth is out there and it might be terrifying. A just uncovered Defense Department summary of UFO-induced effects ranging from abduction and paralysis to electrical shocks and even sexual encounters is shocking the world tonight. It didn't shock the world, Jeremy. It didn't even seem to move the needle right. on the scale. People have forgotten it by now. Yeah. I mean, it it was a blip on the radar, barely. And that's what I feel like is going on with these congressional hearings as well. I mean, we're getting admissions that, yes, we have the ships. Yes, we have the non-human entities we have you know the the biological entities non-human biological entities non-human intelligence they're admitting to having had these things for a long time and unknown untold numbers of them and untold numbers of of companies and groups and things that are 
already involved and the the web just keeps extending further and further out of lies and secrecy and every time we get a little bit more information they seem to clamp down even harder on who gets to know anything more and it's you know i i feel like it's it's two steps forward one step back but at least we're taking steps forward towards sharing more information and bringing some more truth to light for those of us who are trying to share the truth and tired of being told that it's psychological delusion and that we don't know what we're talking about because that is victim shaming and it's horrible. What about the uh, allegations that there are crashed UFOs somewhere and perhaps at one point even some extraterrestrial biological entities? Yes, I mean, I think that it's um, it's wonderful that they are talking about the fact that they have them. I 100% believe that they have them. Um, my uh, good friend Ellie Marzuli has some really interesting uh, stuff that he found in Roswell, and that will be coming out in his Roswell Part 2 movie, which will be available end of this month or next month, I believe. So I can't say what it is, but I highly recommend everyone taking a look into that. Um, but, you know, I'm we've seen them. I mean, so many people have seen them. You know, the Roper poll done way back in the 70s that said 50% of the people have had an experience, let alone seen one of these things. So I believe that they're telling the truth that they have them. They're just not giving us the whole truth. What is the uh, the overarching uh, message you uh, want folks to take home from your story that you tell in the book, Stolen Seed, Evil Harvest? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. I think one of the most important things is that I really don't want people to be going out there and trying to call on or summon these UFOs, these entities. Um, you know, they are you're dealing with something that is smarter and far more advanced than we are. And people aren't prepared for what they're getting into. Um, and they're deceptive. I mean, if a bad guy is going to walk up to you to, um, to carjack you or to steal your wallet, he's not going to let you know as he's walking up to you, Hey, I'm the bad guy and I have a gun, you know, he, he's going to be deceptive and, and, or a bad person. I shouldn't say guy. Um, and, and they're deceptive as well. It's just, you don't know what you're getting into and they could say, Oh, I'm here and I'm a good guy and I'm coming in peace, but you don't know that. And, you know, you could be getting into something that you're not prepared to get yourself out of. And so it's dangerous. It's a dangerous, possibly dangerous situation to be in. So do you see the the good or the bad aliens? Uh, who uh, outnumbers whom? Well, from a biblical perspective, we know that a third of the angelic beings fell. So it's a two to one. They're outnumbered two to one. And the late Dr. Chuck Missler said, Satan's building an army. He's outnumbered two to one. And I think that's what this these hybrid beings are a part of. And so you believe that this uh, these procedures, much like you've experienced and others, are still going on? Absolutely. I absolutely do believe that. Yes, if nothing else, they're going on even with more success 
than ever because as as it's gone along, we're what we're seeing is is hybrids that look more and more like humans to the point that, as uh, you know, David Jacobs said, Doctor David Jacobs, you can't tell them apart from a normal human. Yeah, exactly. For the most part, they look in a, they look like us. Um, they they eat like yeah. us. They they have jobs like us. Their goal is is they want to really fit into society to be in, indistinguishable. Absolutely. My friend Al Matthews had an encounter with one and, you know, he had no idea that's what she was until a few things um, happened. (laughs) And then it became very obvious that that's what she was when her eyes changed and she did a few other strange things. So, you know, uh, having spoken with some people who've been in that situation, you have no idea. She just looked like a beautiful woman. And so in your case, you were able to overcome this. Uh, was it as simple as just saying stop and, and, and they honored your wishes or what? Yeah, no, it wasn't as simple as that. It was, but it was, it was fairly simple. It was as simple as knowing that, that there is a hierarchy and there is one that is more powerful than them. And that is our creator. And that I can call on my creator, on my God, on Jesus and ask for him to deliver me from them, and he will. And when I call on his name, that's all they need to hear. Once they know, it's like, oh, she knows who he is, they they stop. They stop in their tracks. It's amazing. And it doesn't require that I have any special training, that I go to any special church, that I have any special any, – there's nothing special about me. It's just that I that I believe and that I know that and – that's all it takes. Uh, what would be your uh, parting words to the audience tonight? To the audience tonight, my parting words would be, if you have been taken, you're not alone. And please don't feel alone. Um, know that there are a lot of us out there. If you are someone who has someone else come to you to try to talk to you about being taken or having some kind of an experience with extraterrestrials or non-human entities, just listen, you know, listen with an open heart and an open mind. Just be a good friend or a good family member or whatever and listen to them and let them get it out because we, uh, those of us who have been taken and abducted, we just it's really helpful to be able to talk, be listened to, to be heard, and especially to be believed. Do you believe that there's a connection with the actual Roswell incident to the modern uh, abduction agenda as we've been discussing tonight? Absolutely. I think, and I bring it up in my book because I think it shows how our government has been involved in this for a very long time. And they have been lying to us for a very long time. I mean, the first newspaper article that came out showed exactly what happened. And then they ripped that the first headlines. Then they took that down and put a second story up saying, oh, it's just a weather balloon. And um, and again, speaking of Roswell, that uh, another movie that just came out the end of this month from L.A. Marzulli is his Roswell Part 1 called Vindication, where he exonerates that whole Marcel family and proves that they were telling the truth, that there was actually a ship there. And our government has known about it, and they've been in on it. But they didn't want to share that information. And it just shows that 
you know, this is not something new. It's been going on for a long time. So if you had to guess, where do you think that uh, things are headed uh, here within the United States as far as disclosure is concerned? Right. I don't think we'll ever get full disclosure because that would require them to make a full admission to their involvement and to their agreement to allow humans and animals to be experimented on um, without our permission. Um, I don't remember getting to vote on anything like that. Um, and I would never certainly allow someone to harm a human or an animal, you know, if I had a choice. Um, I believe that what we're going to get is a certain amount of confirmation as it's required because we're seeing more and more things. I mean, the world is so digital. We can share things. We can share pictures and videos and information instantaneously with each other across the world now. So our ability to share information is creating a scenario where it is disrupting, I think, their ability to keep everything under wraps and it's uh it's creating a scenario where they have to share at least some information and do you think that maybe one day we'll start to see some of this uh, technology uh be one day handed over from say uh those who have uh dealt with it maybe holding on to it and uh, that mm-hmm. that might help us in this whole effort yeah that's a good question. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm certain we're already utilizing some of that technology in, in this world that, you know, we, that has been parsed out to different companies and the government has admitted that they've um, given that technology to certain companies and certain research companies in the areas. But um, I'm sure there's a lot more that could be helpful or useful to us. But do we really need it? you know, how much is that going to help us? Um, It's so hard to say if that would even be helpful to us or if it would actually cause more problems. Uh, You mean stuff, uh, say, from the the extraterrestrials? Would we want their technology? Exactly, exactly. Yes. More than we already have, right? Yeah, beyond what we already have, you know, I mean, obviously some some of it would be very useful, but then some of it, is it, are we getting too dangerous? I mean, look at the weapons and the things we already have. And well, the AI is already dangerously scary. Yeah, and you, you bring up weapons, and uh, it, there certainly have been many stories about uh, extraterrestrials, uh, certainly as it relates to our nuclear weapons over the years. More to come. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal. Into the paranormal. Yeah, looked at the clock wrong a little bit earlier in the program. Thought uh, time was uh, was. I thought we had uh, less time than we had, so we have a few extra minutes, and I'd like to spend them here uh, with Karen Wilkinson, author of the book "Stolen Seed: Evil Harvest." Her website: Karen with an I, Wilkinson with an O, author dot com. Uh, if you can't write this down, you just go to paranormalradio.com, go through our podcast section. You'll find a link to all of our guests and to their websites, uh, books, and social media. So that's an easy way to uh, do it. I'm just reading through some um, uh, additional aspects of this report that uh, was brought back to uh, mind talking about 
what we've been discussing with her tonight. Uh, but there's been some additional uh, cases where people have reported burns and heart problems and sleep disturbances and even bizarre occurrences such as apparent abduction. These are, again, in official Pentagon files and unaccounted for pregnancy. The report notes that often these injuries are related to electromagnetic radiation and some of them to uh, energy-related propulsion systems. Uh, What do you think about that, Karen? Yeah, um, I found it very interesting as I uh, looked into that report further that all of the items that they listed were um, gathered from 1873 to 1994. 1873, they started this list. So that tells you how far back they kind of, um, it was, I think that's a little bit of an oops on their part, but so it's not even current. I mean, you know, you're, there's 20 more years of data that's not even included in this. That could be, you know, so much more extensive, um, as far as that list. And it's only from a few select cases. Yeah, that's so, certainly a, a, a lot, quite a ways, uh, almost 80 years or so before Roswell. Right. I so mean, they imagine. must have been aware of, of some of this, at least in some capacity, you would think. Well, yes, if, if, yeah, exactly. So they were collecting data for that many years before Roswell, then they had something else to collect data from clearly and and other people so i mean you know when you when you start kind of looking at these reports that they release there are these little tidbits of information in there that i've found quite uh shocking (laughs) to say the least but yeah they do say a lot of these are brain injuries um suffered by military personnel who've been exposed to ufos they call the interference syndrome and i know that They've reported that they are paying out military personnel. Um, They're giving them um, disability payments for what they've suffered. And I'm thinking, well, what about what about all the civilians that have (laughs) suffered these things? You know, I mean, I I think it's great that they are acknowledging some of these military personnel, but I'm sure they're not acknowledging all of them. Yeah. And not going back all the way either. So, you know, this is where this is where disclosure gets tricky because full disclosure would mean there's a lot of retribution that would have to be made to a lot of people who suffered at the hands of these beings because there were agreements made and or because the government knew about it and didn't share pertinent information that could have kept people safe and that's why i tell people please don't go calling on these things don't go looking for them don't hope that one lands in your backyard because you could end up with a brain tumor. Trust me, I know. And none of that is fun. You know, I've had seven or eight surgeries in the last seven years that none of those were fun. And all of those were unexplained. Yeah, there certainly have been many stories like that where uh, individuals certainly seem to uh, have uh, taken a turn for the worse after one of these experiences. Karen, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. It was a pleasure having you here. Oh, thank you so much, Jeremy. It was an absolute pleasure to be with you tonight, too. I look forward to 
hopefully seeing you hearing with being with you again sometime and i will certainly pass along your sentiments to la when i talk to him as well fantastic that would be wonderful to uh do it again uh this uh acquisition threat support talks about well pretty much everything that we discuss on the program ghosts and yetis and spirits mystical legendary entities poltergeist crop circles Spontaneous human combustion, alien abduction, paranormal events, deep space exploration, and alien civilizations, hmm, all in official U.S. government files. Story from last year that's been swept under the rug. We brought it back to the forefront tonight, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow night. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. Good night, and God bless.